Hello! How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am doing well. Let me throw this phone on Do Not Disturb. That is the only thing I have to do. It's so good to see you again. It's good to see you too. Hey! Huh? Happy to be here too. Oh, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad you were able to take out time. Oh, yeah. uh, in between yeah. meetings, 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 I know how that goes. So I am so excited, everyone, to have our guests, whether you're watching this in real time on the website or the replay. Hi. I'm going to allow her to introduce herself. She is so amazing. I'm so happy that she can join us for this amazing discussion as we discuss sobriety and black women. Go ahead and introduce yourself for us. Well, thank you for having me. So good to see you. I see some people on here too. I'm so happy to see you guys. Um, my name is Fauna Aswa and I am an author. I'm also a recovery coach and I'm also a certified addiction counselor and now we use substance abuse. So addiction is kind of a passe word, but for those who don't know, um, I work with you know, mostly young people, but people all over who are struggling through substance abuse challenges, mental health challenges, and um, really showing them what a full recovery life looks like, how to navigate those goals, and, you know, what is on the other side? What is sobriety, and how do we walk through that? And, um, you know, I got sober as well almost five years ago, and it's just been my purpose and passion to share what I learned, what I love, and what's helped me. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you so much, Fana. Now I want to put a little bit of insert. She is a published, a published uh, author. <laughs> you can go get that. <laughs> yes, Sober Daughter, you could go get it. It's um, where, where can it's, we find it? We're not going to wait to the end to tell okay, people where they can I find it. like that. <laughs> Uh, you can get Sober Daughter anywhere books are sold, um, Barnes & Noble or Amazon, and it's a really in-depth look at um, what substance abuse looks like, and for me, um, you know, what brought me through to sobriety, and that was, um, you know, the grief and trauma of losing my parents. So, a lot of grief, a lot of navigating, a lot of tools, I took notes, I did, I was like, I need to give this back, so... There's a lot in that book you can practice too. So let's hop right into this conversation. Like when we think about sobriety and black women, one of the things that pops in my mind is like a lot of people don't think it's an issue with black with black women. Um, and sometimes it is almost how can I put this? It's it's almost like a TikTok challenge. I remember watching TikTok challenges where they would um, show someone, you know, happy before the night to go out. And then the next flash would be them like super intoxicated yeah. and their friends around them. Everyone's laughing and is joking. And it's like, I don't think sometimes people realize the risk that, you know, we put ourselves in, the things that we can accidentally do to ourselves or someone else. And so it's almost like people don't think sobriety is a discussion among black women because we don't 
always view it as an issue, right. like substance abuse as an issue with black women. Um, you are a active professional in this in this field. What what have you known about substance uh, substance abuse? So you can share about us with substance abuse and black women. Oh, absolutely. There's so many points that you talked about that I want to share on. But most importantly, I think culturally, you know, there is a different narrative around alcohol and um, alcoholism and what that looks like. And, you know, if we are going to look back at historically for us what that meant, you know, if we're comparing the traumas of our past generations, alcohol was at the very bottom of that list. Mm -hmm. You know, so we have to factor in um, the space that people had to actually get to a time mm -hmm. where we could start looking at these things. And I think it's really, it's really shows how far we've come in our own culture to be able to talk about these things. And, um, and then you just think about, you know, addiction and drug use and alcohol abuse is, it's not, it does, it has no bias. It mm -hmm. is all of us. It is a disease that affects everyone from every demographic, from every color, from every creed. The difference is, is how it's treated. Mm -hmm. And so black women are disproportionately represented in treatment spaces and recovery spaces. Mm -hmm. And and we are affected deeply in minority communities. And the, the effects of it is so much more astounding because the resources are so low. So I think that, you know, if, if we don't know that there's help for it, it's something that gets swept under the rug. It's something that you just keep in house because there hasn't been an option. Mm -hmm. And um, my goal from, you know, be, being a client in treatment to now being a facilitator in treatment is mm -hmm. to help break those barriers. And, um, you know, we need to talk about it because it affects us too. And we just didn't have the language, I think, for it before. And, you know, when we, where we're going through, the one thing that I, I, I was so excited about having this discussion with you was um, we have a similarity in journeys. I'm a person with bipolar one disorder, but I'm also a former clinician. Okay. And so it's like sitting in those two, two different pers perspectives where, you know, my advocacy doesn't, just it's not just my personal experiences now it also includes my professional experience and i love the thing that you said that it doesn't discriminate because when i try to explain to people they're like oh you have bipolar disorder one disorder but then i say oh i was a clinician i was a clinician first before i was diagnosed oh. and people are like oh like, yes i was a clinician first before but i i've experienced was being on multiple sides of the of this um, experience that we have. Can you talk about what it's been like to be a person that's going through that experience personally, and then also becoming that facilitator of treatment that that um, that light and you know helping others in their journey? Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. You know, I think the more we talk about mental health crisis, the more we talk about what's going on with us, the, the more we take away the shame and the stigma. And that helps us culturally get to a place where we can actually treat what's going on because mm -hmm. we got to it first. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I think that being a, you know, first a client and then a clinician was just, it, it, it gives me this perspective, right? Where I can, I can empathize and I can see, you know, um, all points of view sometimes for a client because I've been in their shoes. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like so many people, you know, when I first got sober, I had no idea what I was suffering from. I, I just, all I knew was I had this tragedy, I had my parents pass away, and I didn't know how to cope, so I drank too much. But, you know, I didn't know that within that was layered, um, you know, trauma, and that I had delayed grief, and that I had PTSD, and that I also had alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, for me, the only place where I could understand that was, you know, for you to explain it to me in a way that's, that's, you know, in a clinical setting. And so I think it's so important that we do have places for treatment. And I also know so many people who go through a sobriety journey outside of treatment. So I think all routes are, you know, valid. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was the most empowering, scary, <laughs> terrifying um experience of my life and i now you know i'm like i could have never not have been through that like i was meant to be sober you know mm -hmm. but it's it's all the things yeah oh and i'm glad you mentioned like it's all the things a lot of people you know sometimes there's um fear right like I've, I've always been this person you know i've always been that person that takes a drink or you know or or smokes or does this and there's a fear of i'm gonna lose the people around me mm -hmm. um you know because i'm the fun person you know if i do certain things you know it's like so how do we navigate those spaces where people feel like no one will accept me or I would have to let go of the community that I that I'm around that I'm used to who's been with me if I become sober. Yeah. I think the word sober has so much attached to it, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, Ugh, boring. Mm -hmm. I gotta change everything. I'm gonna lose everything. And um, I think what helps is more and more people are coming out sober mm -hmm. and they've been sober for mm -hmm. decades. They just didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so liberating because I'm like those fun, silly, you know, party, like creatives, like all the things they've been sober. They just, you know, don't share about it because before it wasn't, it wasn't a um, kind of thing to do, but I think the more we destigmatize sobriety, it's it's the most liberating, most exciting, um, you know, honest, true way for me to live. And I do so many things that I never did before because I'm sober now. You know, I I, I navigated and healed everything with a drink. That's just what I did. And I just didn't know any better, you know, mm -hmm. and there are different stages too. You know, we, we don't all have the same thing. So the more you get help and understand where you are, the better equipped you'll be. But I wasn't having any fun drinking by myself, crying and, and, you know, worrying about my dead parents. There was no fun there. 
I'm having fun now. <laughs> I'm having fun now. And it's, it's, it's not a death sentence at all. It really isn't. It's just learning to live a different way. You know, and I love that you said because you're you're clicking so many things. Like when I tell people, you know, when I tell people like my journey, right? Like I say it's like I learn, I do all the things that I love, but I learn to do them differently. I understand there's certain things that I can't watch. There's certain things that, uh, like my current support system is amazing. I have uh, one specific friend who would specifically go out and watch a movie before me and let me know if it was oh. triggering for me. Oh, and I. <laughs> I absolutely love it. They're like, hey, try this place. You know, it's dim lighting. It's not a lot of people. Um, you won't get overwhelmed. You won't get triggered. And so having that nourishment around me, like I I was I was so afraid, like the more that I began to talk about things, um, my experiences, um, that you know, I would lose people. And I did and some people did fall away from me. Mm -hmm. But the people that I've gained and I think when we go on any journey in life, the people that we gain, like they are anchored in who we not just who we are, but in our wellness in every spectrum of our lives. And that is that is so, so valuable. And on my end end of things, um Stigma is a huge, huge thing, right? We don't want to be labeled. We don't want um, people to identify us in one way, or we don't want to share things. We may be afraid of, you know, not just losing friends, but how it may impact our, you know, the other aspects of our life. How do we, how do women, black women, when we're looking at moving in our sobriety journey, moving in that sobriety journey, right? How do you move through that stigma conversation that's that's always there? Mm -hmm. And and also because there's like shame that comes with that. Yeah. Um I think the more we talk about it as as a community, the less and less power the stigma has. I think that being first of all, I think that you know we have been in survival mode for so long and all of us have just been you know pushing and pushing and pushing and for once we are taking a moment to be like this is not working for me you know i'm not doing well or i don't feel taken care of or i'm not showing up as the way i want to be or my head is really loud and for us to be able to start talking about what's really going on and know that it's not just one of us it's everybody this is a human experience mm -hmm. and the more we talk about sobriety is not because something's wrong it's because we want to live better mm -hmm. we want to change how we are feeling and how our lives have become we want to change for the better and that should always be a good thing and i think that you know if people go on like a weight loss journey or if they're in the gym like we applaud that but if people are like oh no i'm not drinking tonight or you know i have therapy in the morning or i'm i'm gonna go meet with a support grief group or all these things it's like i am enriching my spirit and my soul and if that is something that is looked down upon that I need to maybe check and look around where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And also, you don't got to share everything with everybody. There you <laughs> go right there. 
That's it. You don't Everybody is not your friend on your journey. Everybody is, is not your friend. No, trauma is meant for a trauma space, and that's why we need those spaces. And you know, really take a look at who's around you, and and only share with people that you know can hear it, and support it, and not judge you because it's the the more we grow up, right? We we. We, we start to look inward and see like, oh, I need to take a look here. I need to take a look there. And it's going to happen regardless, whether it's sobriety or not. And I think, you know, sobriety is a beautiful gift. And especially for Black women, because mm -hmm. it just get fun and free mm -hmm. and let go of so many old narratives and so many old programming. Because if you can get sober, you're telling, you know, yourself hey i can completely change if i want to i can, I can mm -hmm. say i can say no to that if that doesn't serve me i can say no to this if this doesn't serve me so you know it's really empowering it just is you know i loved when you said you know talk to someone who who can who's who, who's hearing it mm -hmm. not everybody that you're talking to is hearing what you're saying they're they're not it, it's not some people are information gatherers you know some, some people are just just there but not there and so the key in you know developing trying to figure out you know your people you know is it's so so um so helpful in in any journey that we have uh, one of the things that and we touched we touched on it um a little bit a little bit earlier um when it comes to um sub sobriety like a lot of people um deal with triggers along the way and an another part and also going into a little bit of the stigma thoughts so triggers and stigma thoughts um when people tell folks well only thing you have to do is just not do it <laughs> you can control uh, you can control what you're you're doing, and it's like this this pushback even on on the journey. Where all you have to do is that is my because I'm like if I could do it, yeah. If all I had to do was do it, then I would do that thing. Mm -hmm. But how when you're when someone is in that journey um, of sobriety or thinking about sobriety and people are just telling them, telling them, well, only thing you have to do is just do it. Only thing you have to do is just do it. Only thing you have to do is just stop. You're in complete control of everything. And it just feels like, how do you navigate that space? Because you, you and I know mm -hmm. um, that we're, we're, we're dealing with very, uh, we're dealing with diseases here. Yeah. And we're dealing with a disease here. And someone may not be in an environment that recognizes what they're going through as a disease. So how do you navigate? How does someone navigate that space of someone just telling them what only you have to do is just stop? Yeah. I mean, I suggest writing a resentment list. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's the most invalidating thing to say to anybody. You know, all mm -hmm. you got to do is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, we would if we could. That's that's why we're here. And um, I think the more people understand addiction is not a moral failing. It is not something based on willpower. It is nothing to do with choosing right or wrong. 
it's not because people don't like you or don't love you. It is a disease. Mm -hmm. It is a disease that overruns our brain. It is a disease that creates narrow pathways where we literally have different responses in our body that we cannot respond the same way as somebody who does not have the disease. It is a disease. And so therefore it has a treatment that needs to be in place. And that treatment is a full spectrum of behaviors, thought patterns, and action that um, a person needs to follow because we are changing the way our brain is wired. And that takes effort. And it is not a one and done. It's, an, it's as if somebody was struggling with diabetes they can treat diabetes, but they will continue to have diabetes. Mm -hmm. They will be in remission from cancer, but they still have cancer. So anyone who is in addiction will have the addiction disease, but they will be uh, treating it. And that means they're in recovery and mm -hmm. you continue a lifestyle of recovery. So if people can understand it in that framework, one, I think they can be more supportive because they learn, oh, it's not just she can't have this drink today. It's, oh, she has to, you know, have practice self-care. She has to practice boundaries. She has to go to a support meeting. She has to do certain things that keep her brain in a space where she's in recovery. And then if you say, you know, just don't drink, you can say, well, that's, that's kind of an ignorant comment to make. Yeah. Maybe, maybe don't and talk so, about, uh, about diagnosis. <laughs> you know, one of the um, one of the other things is um, in these in these journeys that people that everyone undergoes, especially individuals that are um, moving through their sobriety journeys, is is relapse and failure. Mm -hmm. And could you talk about how those, um, in a sense of failure, let me not say failure in itself, so, but having a sense of failure, right? Um, having a sense of failure, um, if relapse does, uh, does occur, like how does, how do you migrate that into the conversation of a sobriety? Um, because some people can feel left defeated, feel like they, that similar to the conversation we just had, that I didn't have enough in me to keep, to keep myself going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how, how do you, how do you, what is a, a nurturing response? Because a part of having this, um, this discussion of sobriety and black women is also learning how us women who are not dealing with black women who are not dealing um, with substance abuse issues directly ourselves how can we be a support mm. right what how do we um ensure that our fellow sisters are are okay what can how can we navigate that space with them so how do one um how do we discuss relapse without blaming and shaming that is a good question. <laughs> and I think it really comes back again to the more we talk about what addiction really is from this disease model, the more we can understand that it is not linear for so many people. 
it is a ongoing lifelong journey and that might have ups and downs that might have a setback that might have a relapse and for some people they may never get sober and they might try their whole lives and we have to start looking at it as you know people are trying to treat this disease and they're trying to do their best and the best that we can do is understand addiction understand the boundaries we need to have and then also be supportive when we can and um i think it's just you know the more we can help people find spaces that speak to them right like i'm not a cancer survivor i'm not going to talk to someone and you know give them the to-dos of navigating cancer and i think if we can be more supportive and say do you have a support group do you have a space do you have places you can go because this is at the forefront of your life and i think it's i i want to help you that way and i think that could be really impactful because sometimes we feel really isolated and um closed off because you know we do have to do this kind of silent battle and it has immense rewards mm-hmm. immense rewards but um yeah the more just we talk about how what it looks like you know for me especially i have to put my recovery first so that i can spill over into all these areas of my life mm-hmm. and my friends are very clear that my recovery has to come first and we've had the conversation you know it was awkward at first i had to navigate like oh you're not around as much or oh you don't do this and that and 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 i even felt strange talking about it but now i'm like you know the best way you can support me is to support my recovery because that helps me ward against any relapse that helps me stay really really healthy and it's like if somebody's on a you know health journey you the more you can support them in their goals is more important than what are we going to do if they make a mistake i i i mean that's what's been most helpful for me thank you so much fun i'm so happy we got to sit down and talk to you today um let's close it out can you again tell the people about your book we told them in the beginning we're gonna tell them again again because we want everyone to to find you and read your and learn about your amazing story and get some insight for themselves or someone that they love yes um again thank you so much for having me i love what you guys do you know i've been rooting for you and i just i love it so much it's so important um my book is called sober daughter and it's an in-depth look at you know my struggles what sobriety looks like trying to get there getting there what walking through it trauma grief all the things and a lot of tools I'm obsessed with tools. I love giving people tools because Me too. I, yeah. Yeah, cuz I'm like give me something I can try and do and like, you know? Um so if you need also if you need any support, I have resources also, you know, and um recovery is so important and so I think everybody should have an area of recovery in their life, whether it's mm-hmm. spiritual, mental, physical, whatever and um you know mine happens to be this and i'm so happy to talk about it and 
help others with theirs. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And we're going to be talking with Fana again this month on September the 26th over on YouTube um, yeah. channel Laquanda, L-A-Q-W-A-N-D-A. And it's going to be at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time as well. Thank you, Fana, for joining us. We appreciate you always. And oh, if I'm not um, mistaken, you do have a website and you're available for speaking engagements, correct? Yes. Okay. It's fun. Let's go ahead and let people know. <laughs> and um, there you can find out about my coaching, speaking, anything that you need. I've I got a whole little world going on and I'm happy to help and connect always. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Fana, for joining us. Thank and you thank you everyone me. for joining the live. Until next time. Bye. Bye.